We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. It's Friday, October 25th. 2019 Alex Barutha here with Shannon McEwen Ken is not here I think this is this this is the second out of three weeks four weeks that Ken hasn't been here it is it's been it's been fantastic <laughs> uh we're gonna talk some news early season overreactions favorite waiver wire targets Friday DFS plenty of stuff to get through even though most teams have only played one game uh to kick things off Nick Batum broken finger out three to four weeks Uh, we saw the hornets take care of the bulls uh on wednesday and pj washington hit seven threes it was an incredible performance by the entire hornets team is pj washington the guy for you to pick up in this situation and are you worried about batum coming back taking his minutes at all I'm I'm not worried about Batum. I wasn't worried about Batum before, you know, even during draft season. Uh, he was mostly garbage last year, um, <laughs> and true. I don't expect him to be good this season. Uh, it, 10, 12 teamers, there's no way I would have drafted him. Sure. Um, and I still feel that way. I mean, I think he's been obvious cut. Um, there are players, like you mentioned, Washington, I'd much rather own. Uh, Dwayne ba- Bacon, I'd much rather own um graham is it Devonte graham yes Devonte graham th- those are just on the hornets right like that's not even getting into other teams like none from miami mm-hmm. like they're probably a good if if you're in a 12 team league there's probably like 15 to 20 free agents i'd rather have over batum yeah batum was a guy i felt pretty comfortable taking 
as soon as pick 100 hit, I figured, hey, you know, if for some reason the Hornets think they can be competitive and they play him 30 minutes a night for the first half of the season, he might be able to put up some numbers. But at this point, uh, it, I feel, like you said, 100% comfortable dropping him. Marvin Bagley, uh, broken thumb out four to six weeks. This came after the 29-point loss to the Suns. Are you doing anything waiver wire wise here? Is this a Belitza ad? Is this a Rashawn Holmes ad in deep leagues? Is this Deadman territory? I mean, De- if Deadman's De- available, you right. should scoop him up. I mean, he should already have been owned in most leagues. Um, I I think Belitza is the pickup here. Uh, okay. The the other option might be Bogdanovich um because mm. they can slide Harrison Barnes up to the four right. and play Bogdanovich at the three. Um I do expect Bogdanovich to get more minutes out of it. Um but you know pretty much immediately after this was announced uh Luke Walmart as he's affectionately known um basically announced that Bielitsa was likely going to be the starter. Um you know he he also said there wasn't a firm decision yet. Um but I mean we saw Bielitsa throw up decent early early season value last year when I'm when Bagley was out so I I like him for now I mean he's not super exciting um but he can certainly he can certainly help your fantasy team uh is definitely on your waiver wire uh probably worth a pickup I don't off the top of my head how many know how many games they're on this week but if it's at least a three game week it's definitely worth a pickup and I mean since this is maybe a two-month injury uh good guy to look at there from the same 29 point suns win uh which was so suspicious that adam silver sent out a drug test to the phoenix suns team deandre ayton got a 25 game suspension due to a use of diuretics i mean this is huge i mean the there's going to be an appeal filed so it's possible this gets reduced but uh this is a huge blow for the suns obviously who were I mean, looking to be competitive this season, at least. I mean, that that's the free agency moves they made. I, I thought they were going to be this year's Kings. Um, sure. I was very high on the Suns, assuming they stayed healthy. I love the Rubio um, addition. This, and this obviously hurts things. Um, you know, we'll have to see if there is a reduction in that suspension. But, you know, what are the options for us here? We have uh, Saric gets more minutes, maybe. Then we got, like, Frank Kaminsky, Aaron Baines. What's going on? I think they have Chuck Diallo, right? They do. I do not feel safe with any of those. As far as like a guy, I, I Kaminsky played like almost twenty minutes in he the did. opener. He did. I mean, I I liked Kaminsky at certain points when he was in Charlotte. I think if you give him twenty five to thirty minutes, he can launch up enough threes to be productive. He's a better passer. I think that people realize uh, we're a little biased here, being from Wisconsin, but. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't feel super confident in any of these guys. I think maybe the better. I, I actually maybe I prefer Saric. Yeah. Just because he's a guy who I feel confident can, you know, put up numbers every night. His Would, his usage will go up. Yeah, his and usage will go up. Same thing with like Kelly Oubre. Like I actually could see this team going small. Like I don't think right. Aaron, I don't think Aaron Baines is the guy that you want to run out there for thirty minutes a game. Um, probably not. So, you know, I could see them going small at times, running Ubre at the four, Sarge at the five, getting Bridges more minutes, you know, Tyler, maybe Tyler Johnson more minutes. We'll see. Um, but I agree. I mean, Sarge for, especially for like tonight, he's like 4,600 on FanDuel. Um, so I like Sarge. Uh, if I have to pick between Kaminsky, if I'm in a deeper league and I'm picking between Kaminsky and Baines, I'm going with Kaminsky just because I think there's a higher ceiling. He's a guy who'll shoot the ball more, for sure. Uh, The Warriors got dismantled yesterday against the Clippers in a game that the Clippers were only favored by one, which was shocking. Uh, Steve Kerr, after the game, said, this is not, this is a quote, this is not a one-off, this is reality. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think, I mean, I'm someone who... I was very confident in the Warriors under 48 wins. I may or may not have $20 on it. Uh, This, I think what we saw is, I mean, Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond Green, a bunch of G-leaguers trying to beat 
the the title favorite. But I don't know who, you know. I think the I think the Warriors' next game is against the Thunder. Who who's favorite in that game? Are the it, yeah, where is it? Is it on the road? I don't know. It, yeah, it, I think it depends on. I would say the home team's probably favored. Um, for me, this is more. This is more about the Clippers just being really damn good. Okay. Um, I don't think it's the, you know, we could write off the Warriors after one game. Um, I agree the under on the 48 wins looks a lot better after that one game. But could they still put together 45, 46 wins and make the playoffs? Yeah. But there's plenty. I mean, a lot of people, about half the pundits were thinking they would fall out of the playoffs this year anyways. Because the West is just so stacked that... It's not going to be surprising if a team wins 44 or 45 games and doesn't make the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. I I personally, I, I think they're going to still be pretty good. That 45, 46 win range is still in play. I want to see more of them. It's going to take time. It's a So it always takes time. Even when they're, when you have these super teams, whether it's Miami or, you know, uh, even Golden State when Durant first came on board, um, LeBron, Kyrie, and Love. Whenever you have these teams that any kind of new combination of players, mm-hmm. it always takes time to mesh. I mean, people were panicking in Miami because that team with Bosh and Wade and LeBron started off like ten and ten on the season. Right. It's it's usually going to be fine. Assuming that Draymond, who left briefly with an elbow injury last night, yeah. assuming Draymond, Russ, Russell, and Curry stay healthy, I think this team will be fine and we'll finish above 500. Do you have any concerns that teams, opposing teams, will be able to hone in so much on Curry and Russell that their fantasy stocks are not going to be as good. I mean, you were you were bearish on D'Angelo Russell anyway. Yeah, I mean, it depends. So I, I started Curry last night in DFS, even though I had a very strong worry about him going against the Clippers because I think the Clippers have, like, they have an opportunity to have one of the most dominant perimeter defenses that we've ever seen or seen in the past 20 years at least. Um, and I know, and this, even without Paul George, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, they're even without Paul George. Paul George, their perimeter defense is a, is amazing. Um, you know, Pat, Patrick Beverly scares me. He should scare most grown men. Um, he's very intimidating. Yeah. And uh, when I saw, you know, when I was looking at the matchup, I was worried that Curry could put up a dud by his standards right. going up against Beverly. Um, so. No, I mean, I guess I'm not worried about it because the vast majority of teams in the NBA aren't going to have the kind of defense that we that we see from the Clippers. Uh, Chucky Osman, contract extension, four years, thirty point eight million. I don't know if there's a ton to talk about there, but he's a guy who has looked good at points, like a guy that you could consistently give thirty five minutes a game to, and he won't really mess anything up for you. Uh, probably worth noting that this contract is descending in money, implying that the Cavs might be looking to trade him. Uh, and I actually think that's a good move. They're in a position where they can make a deal like this and then trade him later to possibly a contender where he could play. I mean, he's making he's making less than ten million dollars. He could fit in, you know, play twenty five minutes for, yeah, I mean, anyone, right? Really. From from a fantasy perspective, you hope that he stays in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Um, I was really surprised that more people weren't on him during draft season. Um, he was decent last year. I know he didn't he didn't like fully break out like a lot of people were expecting, but thirteen points, basically five rebounds, just under one steal, one point seven threes. Like there's some solid value there. Um, his shooting percentage wasn't the greatest. He only shot forty two point seven percent last year. But if he increases that and shoots a respectable clip, even if it's just like forty six percent, right. And and he increases his steals a little bit, like that's a pretty good value, especially considering you probably got him in the one twenty, one thirty, one forty range. I think it was discouraging because there were points last year where the Cavs were very hurt, like no one on that team was healthy, yeah. and Osmond was not putting up, you know, sixteen, seventeen, close to twenty points a game like people hoped he would. And this is, I feel like this is like the Torian Prince kind of a thing where you expect a guy to break out he doesn't do it and the next 
draft season, his stock has completely fallen. Yeah. Because people have given up on him after a poor stretch of like 70 games. Um, Trey Young last night took it to your Detroit Pistons, who are on the second half of a back-to-back. 38 points on 21 shots, nine assists, seven rebounds in 37 minutes. You have, I believe, been on this podcast saying that you would draft Trey Young inside the top 12 if given the opportunity. Uh, does this make you, I mean, I, again, one game, but does this make you feel like he is on the cusp of maybe an all-star season? I think there's no doubt okay. that he makes the all-star team. Um, I've already, I mean, I've everyone who listens to this podcast know that I'm hyping him up all the time. I think he's, there's a good chance he leads the league in assists. Um, you look at his stats for the final two months of last year and they were insane. Um, you know, I, whatever they were, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but like the 23, nine and, and yeah. five with, you know, two, three pointers per game, like they were insane. And he shot a good percentage. I mean, that efficiency was a big part. So nine category leagues, he takes slight, you know, a slight ding because he does turn the ball over a lot. I think he might've had like six turnovers last did. night. Yeah. Um, so he still turns the ball over a lot, but most, you know, I, if for me, at least, I don't think I'm in a single nine category league. I'm in like Neither eight leagues and no. they're all eight cats. So if you're in eight cat leagues, yeah, I think he's a lock to be a top 15 player this year. And he's one of the few guys who, you know, basically all he has to do is what he did the last two months of the season last year to be a top 10 player. If he does that, he's basically a top 10 guy. They didn't add anybody at all during the offseason to make us think that he might not have the kind of usage he had last year. It's going to go up. His, he, his minutes per game, he played under 31 minutes per game last year. That's going to go up. Like If he's playing 35 minutes per game, just think about that. Think about how much pr- more production that is. He averaged 8.1 assists as a rookie. Like If he's playing another five minutes per game, give him another one or two assists by default. Um, I, yeah, I'm super high on him. It was great fun to see that game, see the way he played, um, you know, following that up after the big, big debut by Luca the night before, like that, that is never going to go away. That comp's always going to be there. And I honestly think that it's going to be like this, where like one of them puts up some monster night and everyone gets super hyped about it. And then the next night, the other one does the exact same thing. Is this the new Jordan versus LeBron? Well, not even Jordan versus LeBron, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, it's more like uh, bird versus magic. Yeah, bird magic. Um, yeah, I, I think for their era, it's going to be. Yeah, I think they're both like transcendent players. Um, Luca gets a little bit more love, it seems like, but I, you know, Trey's got his his fault on the defensive end. He's sure. always going to be a black hole there, but uh, he's offensively i just think and and from a purely fantasy statistical standpoint um, both he and luca are just going to be monsters he was a guy i think on the fanduel sportsbook you could give him plus 350 to win the assist title uh which now looks like pretty decent value Giannis agadakumbo last night 30 points on 17 shots, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, one steal, one block in a win over the Rockets in which he fouled out with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Brooke Lopez, Ursan Ilyasova, uh, like Pat Congaton and George Hill held down the fort, really limited Harden. Westbrook was just not good through the first half, maybe three quarters. Um, I, I don't know what to say other than Giannis continues to look dominant even with this team around him that might be worse than last season, theoretically, with uh, with the Brogdon absence. But maybe the more important question is, well, did you if you watch the game, what do you think of the Harden-Westbrook pairing? I, I'm not. I, I saw some people trying to form an opinion off the one game. And I don't think you can. I mean, one of the reasons why is Harden had a very off night. And if you recall last year when he played the, the Bucks, like, they they actually highlighted it on all the NBA you know post game shows mm-hmm. too. They they were showing how the Bucks were able to stop Harden. Like it was during his like forty point you know forty point stretch where he had like uh, you know countless games in a row scoring a, a crap ton of points, and the Bucks were like the one team to stop him. Mm-hmm. And so this team like 
they defend well against James Harden. They have a game plan. They stick to it. Um, we saw, I mean, I think it's more telling some of the stuff that we saw during the preseason, honestly, with Harden and Westbrook. Um, they're both going to have insane usage rates. Um, I think Harden's probably just had one of his worst games of the regular season last night um, from a shooting standpoint. I think he'll be fine. Um, I think he's still, even if I did a redraft league today, I'm probably taking Harden number one still. Maybe, maybe Cat. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Cat, but probably still Harden. Uh, that, for Giannis though, let's talk about those 11 assists. Like that is the, you know, if you drafted Giannis, that's the best part of it. Um, you know, he actually didn't get double digit assists. He only had like six games of double digit assists last year, with mm-hmm. 11 being the season high. So. The fact that he was able to get that triple-double, have 11 assists in 28 minutes is pretty great. Like, And that that's actually one of the benefits uh, from a fantasy perspective with Brogdon gone, yep. gone is maybe Giannis is going to take another, you know, step up another level in the assist department, which, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you have him on your team, that's going to be great. Um, what did he average last year for assist? six assists per game? Mm-hmm. If he gets that up to like seven, seven and a half, that and he's still averaging 12, 13 rebounds, that's that's a monster. That's, that's crazy. Um, I was looking for tickets online, Shannon. It, I I didn't know what to do. It was too complicated. Oh, all you gotta do is go to SeatGeek, get online, grab tickets. That's complicated. There's hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability. Hard to know who to trust, but that's why we go to SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for the price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person. Trust me, I know when the Pistons are in town, I'm going to go see them. I'll go watch them lose to Giannis. I'll be sitting courtside or as close as I can. And I'm going to go to SeatGeek to get the great value. SeatGeek's designed to make your ticking buying experience easier than ever. They search through multiple sites. They grade tickets based on value. You can search a multitude of ways to find the best option for you, whether it's a purely a value buy, like we're going to be looking for for our DFS picks, mm-hmm. or you want just that that quality, top edge experience. Sit in course, I baby. Then you go to SeatGeek and you do it. Um, I actually I have a SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest ways that I've ever experienced to buy tickets. Um, you just use SeatGeek and you could check out your Bucks game, your Pistons game, your Warriors game if you want to see them tank the season. <laughs> Lots of great events coming up uh, in your area. I guarantee it. You've also got NFL going on right now. Yep. It's not just NBA. Um, any sport concert you can get all that from seat geek best of all our listeners get ten dollars off their first seat geek purchase of thirty dollars or more just download the seat geek app enter promo code roto nba r-o-t-o-n-b-a today and you get ten dollars off go do it now seat geek life's an event we have the tickets we're gonna run through some early season overreactions i'll kick things off uh our Terry Rozier owners breaking into a sweat over the opening night performance where Rozier got benched late for Devontae Graham, who completely outplayed him. Uh, No, you're not you're not getting into a sweat over Devontae Graham. All right. I'm sorry. You're just not. You're getting into a sweat over Terry Rozier. Just being bad. Yeah, just being bad. <laughs> um, the thing about Terry Rozier, which is like I didn't touch him in any leagues, and I kept on seeing him go off the board in the fourth or fifth round. I think he might have went in the third round of at least one of my drafts. And there's just no way I was going to grab a guy who has a career shooting percentage of like 37% at the, in that range. There's just no way. I couldn't do it. Um, it's far too inefficient. I actually expect him to be fine. Um, sure. You know, I, I expect him. They, they gave him all that money. They're not going to give up on him after one bad game. Um, he's going to, like, I, I actually fully expect him to go out and have a monster game tonight. Um, he had some monster games during the preseason. His shooting is just going to be the rough spot. Like, he's, if he shoots like 41 or 42% for you, that's a huge win. 
And I don't, I don't, you know, like, and that's bad, right? Like, I don't know if that's doable for him, but even at 38, 39%, you know, he's going to play 31, 32 minutes per game. He'll score. He'll probably score 16, 17 points, get you five assists, five rebounds. He actually rebounds decently for a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive stats aren't going to be great, but he can get, he'll get over a steal per game. He'll hit threes. He's going to be fine. He's just going to be a drain in field goal percentage. So it's not a situation where, like, you don't definitely don't give up on Rozier. No, no. Um, but it might be a, a scenario where if he strings together two, three, four good games in a row, maybe you dangle him out there and see what you can get. His ESPN ADP was 46. Oh, that's insane. I was not getting him in that range. I think his fan tracks ADP of 70 was pretty realistic and uh decent value there would you consider if you're if you're a rosier owner do you think you should hedge by trying to get Devonte graham uh, on if you if you have fab should you just throw out a probably a bigger fab than than he's actually worth i think it is worth it if you're in a deep enough league if you're, if you're in a 10-team league, Devontae Graham's not going to be no, good enough no. to own. Um, deeper 12-team leagues, yeah, sure. If you have the extra roster spot, you know, if you have someone like Michael Porter um, who, you know, could hold value later this season but isn't going to do much in the immediate future, sure. then maybe you, you cut bait with him and pick up Devontae Graham as insurance. Um, but, I am I mean, it's got to be a fairly deep 12-teamer. 14-team leagues, I, I think he's almost a shoo-in to get picked up um, after this first fab. But it's also, the good part of it is we're going to have at least one more game, and they, maybe they play on Saturday or right. Sunday too. We're going to have at least one more game to see how this plays out. Um, you aren't going to have to make a decision usually, unless you're in daily moves league. Hopefully you don't have to make a decision. You get to see another game or two. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, if you're in a deep enough league, grabbing those insurance is okay, but he's not like Devonte Graham's on my radar now, but it's typically in 14 teamers. Uh, I have two more overreactions. One we already talked about. I think the Warriors under 48 wins might be a lock. Uh, SGA might actually play shooting guard this year. Like, I don't know if he'll... I watched the second half. I talked about this with Nick yesterday. I'm not going to belabor the point too much. Watched the second half of the Thunder Jazz game the other night. Chris Paul was 100% the point guard of that team. Not even a question. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was looking to score a ton. Anytime they drove the ball inside and it didn't work, they kicked it out to Paul, looked for offense through him. Uh... I mean, if Shea just alexander is going to shoot 20 shots a game, that's fine. His fantasy value will be okay. But it becomes worrisome if that comes down a little bit and he's not passing the ball. Uh, and there are plenty of athletic rebounders on that team. So if he's not – I think he's got to really step up defensively uh, for things to work out the way that people hope that it works out when he was going as high as pick 35 in some leagues. Yeah, I mean, we had him projected at 4.8 assists per game um, before the season tipped off. I I was I questioned whether or not he would get there playing alongside Chris Paul, right? Like, I just didn't think – I thought that number was too high. He was okay distributing the ball last year, 3.3 assists in t- under 27 minutes per game. Um, but even if you, you know, you add five, six minutes to that, you know, it's four, even 4.8 would be hard to hit. Um I don't think he's going to be a big source of assist. I will say, though, in that game, there were multiple passes that he made that should have led to assist okay. that did not. A couple open threes that were missed. He had uh, he drove to the lane and had a, a fancy little dump off to Steven Adams, who juggled the ball and ended up getting fouled. It actually should have been an N1 with an assist. I saw that one. Yeah. yeah. So there, I mean, there are multiple ones where like, he easily could have had four or five assists in that game. Um, his usage rate was through the roof. I I was very encouraged. Uh, even the free throws, it was like uh, you know one of those free throws. I think or three for six from free throws. Like he was trying to miss a free throw and yep. you know <laughs> and, and made it. And it, it, like there were late game situations where he was just not that he wasn't seasoned enough to really handle it properly. He missed the first one. Um, like free throw percentage, he he's going to be great. Field goal, 
fine. I, I'm not worried about any of that. You're right. His defensive stats do have to pick up for him to warrant the top 50 pick that he saw in a lot of leagues. Um, but I think it'll be there. Uh, he's just too long to not pick up defensive stats. He's out there busting his butt. So um, I, I'm very encouraged that he's going to live up to the hype based on that that one game. Uh I'll let you take the floor now. You have someone that you are not encouraged by. Thomas Sadoransky. I've had lots of conversations about Sadoransky um, all throughout the draft season. I chose not to keep him in our staff keeper league for basically like next to nothing. I just didn't think it was going to be worth it. He was horrible in the opener. Uh, one for five from the floor, two points, three assists, and a block in 24 minutes. Kobe White looked damn good. He did. Um, Chris he, Dunn looked fine, too. Chris Dunn played really good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a team where they might need the extra defense. So I I just don't believe... When I look at Sadoransky, you look at what happened last year on that Wizards team. Once John Wall went out, Sadoransky had free reign. And it was on a garbage team. You had Beal, Sadoransky... Thomas Bradley, they had, towards the end of the season, you know, they had Portis and Parker in there getting shots. But Sadoransky was basically locked into the highest usage role he's ever seen in his career. And he still put up just okay stats. It was like 9-5-5. Five, and five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 9-5-5 and five with a steal and, and like a one and a half three pointers per game or whatever. It's a good it roto was. guy. Yeah. Like, like he, he's, he's okay, but he's like a. He's I, I I liken it to like Shane Battier back in the day was always a top sixty or seventy fantasy player for like the first four, five, six, seven years of his career. But it was like he was averaging ten, five, three with enough steals, blocks, and three pointers to make him valuable. Or or like a he's like a poor man's Joe Ingles. That's what Sadoransky <laughs> is. A poor man Joe Ingles to to relate it to a, a current player. He's never going to put up great, like great stats. I don't think he's going to. I just don't think he's going to do much. Sure. Um, I think there's certainly risk that he could lose his starting job. Kobe White is really the guy for Chicago. Like you don't pick a player in the top ten and then not give them a chance to succeed if they if they show they have the skill for it. And this dude, Kobe White, looks damn good. So eventually, I'm I'm thinking Kobe White's the starter. Kobe White is available in seventy four percent of ESPN leagues. So you, you're probably gonna want to probably gonna want to make a move there. Ten team leagues. I am absolutely dropping dropping Sandoransky after one yeah. game. Um, Why not? I I don't think he's. There's plenty of other good free agents out there. Guys we've mentioned. It's not even Kobe White necessarily. It'll be you know guys who are already locked into starting roles like PJ Washington. Um, there's going to be tons of players, or you know, as we'll talk about, you know, Justice Winslow is like n- criminally underowned on ESPN leagues. Like drop Sadoransky for him in a heartbeat. Right. Just tons of players, tons of options to pick um, over Sadoransky, who at best is like twelve five and five this year, and that's that's like the ceiling, and there's no way he comes close to it. Sure. Uh- you got two more guys on your list. We kind of talked about PJ Washington already. I don't know if you want to touch on that more, but you'll yeah, see. yeah. The, yeah. Just the the uh, the overreaction part with PJ Washington is that everyone just thinks he's going to be crazy amazing <laughs> like now, a top right? 50 yeah. I actually argued in the office the other day. I said he's going to be the highest ranked fantasy player from Charlotte, and this is before the first game of the season. The thought there, though, is not that he's going to hit seven three pointers per game. No, it's just that he's going to get enough rebounds, threes, and blocks to be a top 70 guy whereas like a guy like Rogier his field goal percentage is never going to be high enough for him to crack that level or uh Bridges who I love just won't have enough total stats like there's going to be those threes and blocks the threes and block combination with Washington essentially I think he's going to be like kind of like when Wendell Carter was healthy last year yeah. like that but with three pointers so I I like him quite a bit and I do think he is a must-own in 10 and 12 uh, team leagues. He should have been drafted in any 12-team drafts anyways, especially if they were towards the end of the preseason. Um, so pick him up, but also don't think that he's going to do what he did in the opener on a regular basis. That might be his season high in scoring. 
Oh, we have? Yeah, yeah. Last guy, overreaction. This is just from a couple of tweets I saw on Twitter. Uh, Valanchunas with Memphis. I saw a lot of people were getting worried because he played limited minutes in the opener. Uh, There was news before the opener saying he was going to play limited minutes because he dealt with injuries throughout the preseason. And I don't even think he logged any preseason time, maybe one game. But um, basically, he's a hold. Like, no reason to overreact about anything. Uh, He will get... He will play career high in minutes this season once he has his conditioning up. Uh, he is a guy that you are actually I'm pretty confident you should 100% sit him next week because they're on a two-game week, and you're just taking a big chance starting him on a two-game week with a foot soreness thing. Uh, we're going to move on to some waiver wire targets. We've hit on a couple guys already, but Marcus Morris played 39 minutes against the Spurs. 26 points, four rebounds, three steals, and one assist. He is 38% owned on Yahoo, 20% ESPN. I uh, I slandered drafting him before the season, and uh, I'm wrong. I was wrong, but, uh, you know, that's uh, if <laughs> Coach, Coach Fisdale is just going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, I don't think I actually don't think you're wrong. I would if I had him on my team, I'd be trying to sell high. I do not trust Fizdale. Um, the rotation's already going to change for game two. Fizdale's in it at like Alfred Payton starting in game two. We'll have to see what happens with news today. Um, so I am not on the Morris bandwagon. Would you pick him up though in a like a twelve teamer? In a twelve teamer, like if I have an end of the bench guy, like, like if you have like, Zagaransky, are yeah. you flipping those two? Only if I have the need at forward. Okay. Otherwise, I I just uh, my guess is I if I drafted Sadoransky, it's because I had a dire need at guard. <laughs> okay, fair um, enough. So if I but if I have the need at forward, like if I'm if I have a guy like Mark, Michael Porter on the end of my bench, then yeah, I'll draft I'll drop him that's for a good, Morris. That's a better like I, I will drop him for Morris. Um, but I just don't trust Fizdale. and okay. outside outside of R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and that's it. Yeah, I don't trust anyone else is going to get their minutes. Like I know those two are going to get their minutes, but I I can't say anything more about the the Knicks because no one knows. I mean, hell, even Fizdale doesn't know. Um, there's a, another forward that I like though, um, Trey Lyles. Mm. So this is probably not for not in ten team territory yet. Twelves, um, fourteens. I I could see him being worthy of a pickup. He started the season opener, and I, I actually I grabbed him in a couple of leagues really late because I was, I just I was like, you know, Jacob Pertle, I don't believe in that guy. <laughs> like I could see, I could right. see, like I I was like, okay, Pop's not going to announce anything. He I don't see him announce anything during the preseason, but I could see a scenario where Lamarcus starts at center and Lyle starts at power forward, and that's what happened um, in game one. He had eight points, 11 rebounds, play zero, zero blocks, zero steals. Um, only took one three-pointer. Well, he's a, so he's a guy he, that we've seen in the past when he gets the minutes, he's productive. He, yeah, he can be productive. Uh, he's still, he's only 23. Um, super young. He turns 24 like in a week, um, but he's still young. The the talent's there. Uh, I'm... I'm definitely picking him up in 14-teamers. 14, 14 Again, if you have a guy like Michael Porter, like I think Lyles is a better option because for as long as he's starting, you know, he only played 24 minutes and almost had double-double. If that creeps up to 28, 29 minutes, he's going to be a, a good source of, of production. He's a guy who ha- has had a strange start to his career. I think he started in Utah, and he got kind of pushed out of that front court, and then he got moved to Denver where he got pushed out of the front court because – because of the talent now he's in a situation where the spurs do have depth and popovich is kind of unpredictable but you're right um you know we've seen him in the past he's source of threes and rebounds and if that if he gets 25 minutes a game consistently that's good he's if he's not he might not be a long-term waiver wire ad but he's definitely i would say a streaming option possibly throughout the entire season on four game weeks yeah guy like trey lyles uh, speaking of the Nuggets, Will Barton is back. Played 31 minutes, 19 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. 44% owned on ESPN. I think people were 
including myself, a little worried about Barton coming into the season because of the Nuggets' depth at every position. Uh, but, you know, uh, Coach Michael Malone trusted Will Barton, trusted also Gary Harris a lot. Gary Harris played a team high, I think, 36 minutes. Uh, we've seen Will Barton in years past. Great Roto guy. Can stuff the stat sheet. Uh, perfect six-man. So I, he just he probably has to be owned. Yeah, I agree. And actually, last year was just weird for Gary Harris and Will Barton. It was. Um, the year before, they were both, uh, you know, they, they were they had big roles in the rotation. And they still did last year, but they were somewhat muted because they both started the in, the year with, like, injuries, right? So yeah. um, the Nuggets ended up rolling, or they had injuries at least at some point early in the season. So the Nuggets ended up incorporating other guys like Beasley, uh Craig and other guys into the rotation at those wing spots. And essentially when Harris and Barton were actually healthy, they were trying to mix in. Malone was trying to mix in everyone and still yeah, get, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, the nuggets are deep. They're great. Their depths arguably the best in the league. Um, but yeah, Barton and Harris, I, I, I was still targeting Harris in most drafts. Barton, I was not on, um, but I, I am disappointed by it now because, He'll get he'll get the opportunity to have a bigger role than he did last year, and as, if they're winning, which they're going to be, um, that that'll continue. So I think he's a great, obviously a great pickup uh, if available in your leagues. Again, maybe maybe not. Ten, I, I guess ten teamers probably. It just depends on who you're dropping. Um, like I think he's a good like upsides like top. You know, he could be a top 80, top 90 guy. Sure. So it just depends on how deep your 10-teamer is. Um, what, one other guy you mentioned here that uh, kind of a post-hype sleeper a little bit. Maybe, maybe. Torian Prince. Yeah. Only 15% owned in Yahoo. Played 41 minutes in the season opener, which did go to overtime. Uh, 15 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block. Uh I will admit, Torian Prince was one of my favorite players to target last year in drafts. Yeah, my, my I, was I think all, everybody was on him. Yeah. All over him. Thought he's going to blow up. And then he didn't. So I just like basically wrote him off this year. And given that Kevin Durant's out all yep. season, like it's very, very unlikely that Kevin Durant plays this year. If he does, it's like uh, you know a five-game warm-up before the playoffs start. Uh, there's... Torian Prince is locked in like he's going to see tons of minutes and with that should have good production. I mean, similar, if not, I don't expect full breakout, but like, you know, at least production that warrants like a, a top 80 rank. Uh, Justice Winslow, another guy who is criminally underowned on ESPN, 37%. Doesn't make sense. He's a legit starter. He, I, the Butler, Thing should not affect him that much. He Winslow can do everything on the floor, everything. He was really good on Wednesday night. Um, I I like him quite a bit. I do think though, like essentially, you know, on Wednesday if you watch the game, like he's bringing the ball up to court, he's running, he's the true point guard of that team. I do worry that when Butler returns, like we're not going to see as much of that. I think I think Butler's going to have a monster season. Um, but like anyone who's worried about like Dragic, you know, Dragic doesn't even factor into Winslow. Um, I mean, we Dragic didn't go into the starting lineup with Butler out. They were like, no, we're gonna, Winslow, you're the, you're going to control everything for the full game. He did played really well. Um, he should be 100 percent owned. Like ten yeah. teamers, uh, you know, me, you would have to be the shallowest of like eighteen weeks to not own him. Uh, he has to be one hundred percent owned. Um, one other guy I want to mention from the Heat is uh, Kendrick Nunn. Worth um, mentioning. He is actually one of my favorite pickups. Um, I don't play. You know, most of these guys we're mentioning are owned in mo in every league that I play in. Nunn's one of the few guys who's actually available. Um, he was great in the opener as well. And he had, he had some big games during the preseason. Um, he went for 24 points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, uh, in the opener. He started alongside Winslow, um, and Tyler hero with Butler out and 
Spolstra has already said none's sticking in the starting rotation. He he's going to be the starter. Hero's going to the bench once Butler returns. So you're going to have Winslow at point, none at two, and Butler at three. Um, what a strange I, lineup. It is, but it, we've seen this with the Heat. Like they always just like there's a strange dude who pops up and has <laughs> has uh, Rodney Magruder. Rodney Magruder is actually <laughs> exactly who. And there was some. There was one other wing player that they had last year too that had a, a little like five game stretch where he's productive. It's it's weird, but we've seen this from them, right? So I'm riding it. I mean, I think he's gonna be if he sticks in the starting lineup. Yeah, maybe, maybe he loses his gig when Waiters gets back, but I don't know if that's true. Waiters is a total head case. Like if this team's out there winning, you know, beating teams by, you know, decisive victories like they did in the first game of the season, and you've got Dunn being a big part of that, why switch things up? So, you know, he can hit some threes, get you steals. Obviously, once Butler returns, he won't be pouring in 24 points per game, but like 14 team leagues, he wasn't drafted in those leagues. So, no, he wasn't. No, like you can almost any league that you're in, you can pick him up, and I think he's worth it in the deeper leagues. I don't know if he got drafted in our 20 team best ball league. He did not. He's available in our staff keeper league, which has you know four G League spots. Um, they're they're not technically G League spots, but you know you have prospect spots. Like he wasn't drafted anywhere, so you have to be it. Like you said, even our 20 teamer, like dude was not drafted, so. He is, he is worth a look if you're in the deeper leagues. Um, now let's talk about some of our Pistons. I'll let you start off with that. Luke Kennard, uh, with Blake Griffin out, has shouldered some of the scoring load alongside Derek Rose. Uh, so now the big three of Luke Kennard, Derek Rose, and Andre Drummond is complete. He's 29% owned on Yahoo, 11% owned on ESPN. It's just both pretty low. I understand not wanting to draft Kennard, but he just until Blake Griffin is back, Kennard should be on a roster in your twelve to fourteen team leagues. I agree with that. I wasn't I was on board with Kennard. He was outside my top one fifty in drafts. I, I did I did not expect to get him anywhere. I, I actually like him quite a bit as a player. I just didn't think that the minutes or the overall production were gonna be there. Um but he has some upside. He can hit a ton of threes. Yep. Um, Do a little ball handling. He's, he's actually a much, much, much better ball handler than most people will understand. Like, if you've never seen him play, um, I think you'd be surprised. Watch him handle he, the ball. He was one of the first, I think in my first ever Dynasty article where I looked for, like, Dynasty sleepers, Kennard was one of the guys on my list. Yeah. So I'm I'm all I'm with you on Kennard. I think he can be a legit starter in this league. Um, him and him and Derrick Rose. I've watched every minute of both Pistons game. Him and Derrick Rose play really well together. They love playing together. The announcers have been hyping it up uh, all throughout <laughs> the preseason too. Like they love playing with each other, um, and you can tell like they have they have legit chemistry. Um, what an he, unlikely pair! I know uh, he is he he's an interesting player. I would pick up Kennard in in fourteen teamers. Um, 12 teamers, probably not just because everything's inflated right now. So his usage, he's not going to take, you know, he's not going to be taking that many attempts per game. It's going to go down once Drummond gets back. I'm sorry, uh, Blake Griffin gets back. I mean, this team's basically just desperate for someone behind Drummond to step up. And it's been Kennard. It's been Rose. Um, Rose is actually the more attractive option for me for on the Pistons team. You know, it depends. He was probably drafted. I mean, if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, good chance Derrick Rose was drafted. Um, he was really good last year for Minnesota. He averaged 18 points, 4.3 assists. Um, only played 51 games, which is probably the only thing that kind of muted his his, um, his expectations going into this year. Um, but if he for if for somehow he stays healthy and plays 70 games for the first time since 2010 2011. If he somehow does that, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a steal. Um, Reggie Jackson is dealing with minor nicks. You know, I think he's got a little back injury right now. Um, he's played in both games, but in a limited fashion. Also, he's garbage. So, <laughs> Derrick Rose has looked really good. Uh, I, I, I people probably think I'm insane. I was saying this last year with Minnesota too. Before he had that 50 point game. Like he looks really good. I, 
it it amazes me how good he looks because I felt like he was a shell of his former self, like with the Knicks and Cleveland. For sure. Um, but he's usually when he's out there, he looks like he's like the third best guy on the court when he's playing. Uh, you know, and that's for the past year and a half that I've felt that way. So I I like him a lot this year. I think eventually he could easily take over the starting gig um, from Reggie Jackson. If not, I still expect him to play more minutes than Reggie Jackson this year. Um, so like that 18, that 18 and four that Derek Rose, Rose had last season, I expect him to repeat that with the Pistons, um, you know, be around 17, 17 points, five assists, um, play 27, 28 minutes per game. The question is, can he play more than 50 or 60 games? Right. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is here. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting at just 25 cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You and I were discussing uh, uh, the after hours slate yesterday. Is that what, what, what it's called? Yeah, on Wednesday, the after hours slate. I always like that one. You know, just two or three games on FanDuel, and you can usually put together a pretty solid lineup. I always go chalk, and it never works. <laughs> uh, play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes to take advantage of our special offer for new users sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription with your first deposit on fanduel that includes dfs lineup optimizers premium articles draft software and much more and that's for every sport just visit fanduel.com slash rw void where prohibited New FanDuel registrants only. Restrictions do apply. See FanDuel.com slash RW for details. Speaking of FanDuel, there are... How many games are there tonight? Uh, Eight, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Nine games tonight. We're going to talk a little FanDuel. Uh, Three guys that just stand out to me right away that I'll hit on with this DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley news. We talked about them earlier. You got Aaron Baines sitting at... Uh, minimum 3500 price. Bielitsa at 3700 Rashawn Holmes at 3700 I'm sure Kaminsky is also around that price range. Out of all of those guys who are in contention on Sacramento and, and Phoenix front courts, do you have a favorite? Do you think you can play two of them realistically? The first dude I, put, I pumped into my lineup was Bielitsa. I think that's um, the right call. I, I opened up my, my browser and was like, okay, let's start building this lineup. Um, and Bielitsa was first guy. So it's, you know, you can, I, I have Sarge in my lineup as well. Kaminsky's 3,600. I gave him some consideration. Um, there's a good chance I toy around with things a little bit, but like Sar or Bielitsa first option. Actually, Ubre, I already liked Ubre, 6,400. I like him even more with eight and out just because I think he's going to have to carry the load, uh, the scoring load more. Um, it's, it's, it's like a Devin, I mean, Devin Booker, I have Devin Booker in my lineup as well. Yeah. That is this a Suns King stack that you're going with? Uh, I mean, they're, they're two of those are two of the games I like targeting tonight. Um, yeah, I got New York, Brooklyn is one of them, Minnesota, Charlotte, um, Portland, Sacramento, Phoenix, Denver. Those are the games I was really going after. Um, so it, it worked out with some of the value plays too. Um, a couple of guys though. Fred Van Fleet had such an amazing season debut, mm-hmm. and he he went up in price, but he's still he's only sixty six hundred. And now that we know he's you know at least for the foreseeable future he's pretty much locked in as the starting two. There are like seven good players on that team. Yeah, they only went they went I think they went eight deep, but like basically like seven guy. It was basically a seven man rotation, and the eighth player was just like here are ten scrap minutes for you. Um, it's weird because we're used to Toronto going nine, 10 deep every single game for the past couple years. So if they're only running seven guy, basically a seven man rotation, we know Van Fleet's going to get tons and tons of minutes. So no, I don't expect him to go out and post 55 fantasy points like he did in the opener. Um, but I also feel like he's a lock for 30. 
He's got a high floor. Yeah, that's for sure. I think he's got a high floor. Um, and at 6,600, you know, unless you're going with two expensive shooting guard options, I, I think he's a great play. I like targeting Memphis, Chicago, and Brooklyn against New York. Both of these games have an expected pace of 107 plus, uh, which is five points higher than the next tier of games. I mean, the Grizzlies and the Bulls played like trash in the opener. So I think ownership might be subdued there. Uh, there are four players in that game who have a 25% usage rate in the opener that played at least 20 minutes. Laurie Markinen's at 8.2K, uh, Levine, 8K, Morant, 7.1K, Tyus Jones, 5.5K. I, I don't think you're actually getting a good price on Tyus Jones, which is kind of frustrating. But uh, I think the rest of these guys, all enticing plays, uh, especially Levine, who still dropped like 37 fantasy points in a, like a bad performance for him. And if they're going to keep running up and down the court like this, it's, you're, there's a strong chance you're going to value. Levine and Markkinen are both, those are the only two safe plays on the Bulls, though. That's how I feel about Chicago. I mean, I yeah. like plenty of other talent on that team, but even Boylan came out and said he doesn't want Otto Porter to play more than 30 minutes that per game this so season. Strange. Really weird, right? So, like, you know, that takes away one of the things. But Porter's the type guy who, you know, especially if you're going with him in DFS, like, you want him to see this 35, 36 minutes per game. Like he, he's not the minutes are, are a big reason why he'd be able to provide value. He's at 6,500 for tonight. Um, I, I, I am fine going with either Levine or Markkinen. I'm scared playing anyone else from the bulls. And actually I kind of feel that way about Memphis too, just because, I mean, Morant only played, and I, I forgive me if he was in foul trouble or something, but he only played 25 minutes in the season opener. He was bad. He, he just, was. He yeah, was. More I mean, turnovers I only, than assists. I watched mainly the second half of that game, but I was surprised that he only got 25 minutes. Jaron Jackson got 29 minutes. Um, he was okay. Rebounding was extremely light, which is disappointing, but that just <laughs> might be the reality with him. Uh, he had 17 points, three rebounds. Two, two steals, one block, or two blocks, one steal. Um, you know, for, for Jackson to be this darling that everyone wants, he needs to grab more rebounds. Defensive stats are going to be a big part of what he does, um, and that will always that upside will always be there. But I seen him play 29 minutes and Morant play 25. Worried me about their immediate ceilings. I, I think later in the year they're going to be playing more minutes. It's going to be fine. Uh, Morant, there's also the turnover worries. He had like six in the opener. Uh, you know, he's a rookie. That's going to be a problem for him. Um, I would just feel a lot better about both players if I knew they were playing 32 minutes. Right. Uh, the other the other game, Knicks versus Nets. I don't know if you can fade Kyrie here. I mean, maybe. I mean, in GPP, you can you can fade any high price guy. But he at the price that he's at, 9700 you're hoping for 50 fantasy points obviously within his range uh the knicks aren't good so that's that's possible the knicks rotation itself is a mess uh just to point out another group of guys from these two teams with at least 25 percent usage rate in the first game julius randall uh who we mentioned earlier we feel safe about his minutes he's at 8800 uh, irving himself karis lavert uh 6900 I'm going to honorably mention Dinwiddie, who only played 19 minutes, but had a great usage rate. It's only 5,100, maybe a buy low for DFS slate. I don't, I mean, he, I think he had four or five fouls. It, it would be just really weird to me if he only played 19 minutes a game this season. I think that'll come up. Uh, my question to you, though, is Bobby Portis at 5,200 a good contrarian play with Mitchell Robinson probably coming back? Because if they split minutes, Porters could still get 30 fantasy points. And if Mitchell Robinson only plays like 20 minutes because Fisdale's like, well, we got to ease him back in. Or there's so many other options it, on the slate that it's not even, it's it's the it's not worth the target. I would be hard-pressed to go after Porter um, with his center designation on FanDuel. Um, there are a couple other centers I like uh, quite a bit for this slate. Um, Carl Anthony Towns. 
I know he's expensive. <laughs> oh yeah. I know he's super expensive, but I, I, Charlotte. Yeah. I think he is just going to put up a monster line tonight and pretty much every night this season. Um, and there's enough early season discounts that you can afford to have that guy um, who, who's cost 11, 11, five in your lineup. Um, I think Jokic is going to have a big night. Um, Thomas Bryant. I'm not, I'm not in love with the matchup, but I like the price at 6,700. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, I like what we saw from him in the first game as a Blazer. Um, and at 8,000, I, I think he's pretty damn good. I And I also, I expect guys like Gasol, Favors, and Wendell Carter um, to bounce back. Um, I actually, if I'm going for a contrarian play, I might go Gasol or Favors. Because um, 6,100 for Gasol, 64 for Favors. I think both are going to bounce back and have, have very good games tonight. I hope so. Gasol looked bad. Like he was not. Like, he did, but we've seen from him. So since he's became more of a per- perimeter-oriented player on offense, so basically like the last year and a half, two years, um, he's had numerous games like that where like he's just like one for ten from yeah. from the floor for that night and has has a completely off game. So, but overall, I'm not worried about the guy. Um, you know, actually, from that Brooklyn uh, New York game. I like Alfred Payton. Um, I want to see Fisdale say that Payton's starting. The the news from after there was news that came out after the opener, and basically Fisdale said that like he he was praising Payton, saying that he went after it um, and was really impressed with this play. Um, you know, it, this this is not verbatim here. I'm not quoting Fisdale, but uh, yeah, that's that's what he was hinting at was that. Peyton might start game two. So in 26 minutes, Peyton had 40 fantasy points in the season opener. Um, that included five steals and eight assists. Um, we know he can rack up the assist. He also rebounds really well for a guard. He only had two rebounds in the opener. But if he gets 35 minutes, if he starts and plays 35 minutes, like he's a, he's a threat for 40 or 50 fantasy points. Do you think Siakam is underpriced at 8,900? I do. I, I would so love. I hate that they have him at small forward. That's the only issue I have. Right. Like the position eligibility on FanDuel is kind of funky for for a handful of players. Um, it's good they moved Fred Van Fleet from point guard to shooting guard after the uh, opening slate. Uh, Siakam, for whatever reason, they still have at small forward he started at power forward right yes, i'm not and he, he basically did all of last year or most of last year too mm-hmm. like when Kawhi was in the lineup he was starting at the four so i'm confused why he is uh playing small forward um we'll see i my guess is they'll correct this um there are a couple other players that have had some weird weird position eligibility as well um but if siakam if siakam was a power forward he would be and i built a hundred lineups on FanDuel, he'd probably be in eighty of those one hundred lineups. Right. But at small forward, you've got Bielitsa. I've got I like Ubre a lot. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram's gonna be big with uh with Zion out. Torian Prince is at fifty six hundred. Like there's so many small for Will Barton you mentioned earlier, he's at fifty four hundred. There's so many options at small forward that I like. You know, even even Harrison Barnes, who I despise, and I will not. I don't have the stomach to put him in my DFS lineup. But you know, he's five thousand, and he's going to see a bigger role with Bagley out. He's going to log minutes at the four. I there are just so many small forwards that I like for tonight's slate. That's hard for me to get Siakam in there. I I'm running down the list of like fancy points per game right now. You can I mean you can get Devin Booker and Pascal Siakam in your lineup. Booker's 8,800, Siakam's 8,900. That's over 100 fantasy points of upside. Yeah. Without question for um, for, for a pretty affordable price. Now, the matchups aren't super easy. Uh, Toronto against Boston. Although, Siakam's so good in the paint, and the, the Celtics don't really have that much of a saying inside presence. Uh, and Denver. Denver's going to be a little tough, especially it's in Denver. So, that's always a worry when teams are on the road in Denver, but Booker without eight and around, someone's got to score points. And we, we mentioned the, the front court guys, but we also don't trust them. You're putting that, you might put them in your lineup, but you would not trust them as much as you would Devin Booker to just get points. Is there anyone else you want to mention before we, before we bounce? 
I mean, Jeff Teague is at 6,200 against Charlotte. I just expect, I expect to go after Charlotte a lot this season. Um, I was intrigued by Teague didn't have a great game. He only had 24 fantasy points in the opener, but he played 34 minutes and he's a guy who, you know, if, if he's playing 33, 34 minutes per game, I'm an, and he's right around six, six grand, I would be comfortable um, plugging him into a lot of my lineups. I think you had, I would imagine if, if, if Andrew Wiggins actually hit like 45% of his shots instead of like 25%, <laughs> um, like he did in the opener, what was he like 10 for 31 or something crazy in the opener? Um, 21 points and 29 shots. I yeah, think. that's so insane. Um, my, my guess is Teague would have had about three or four more assists just on Wiggins actually converting. Um, so I, you know, that's where, that's where Teague can rack up, um, some pretty good fancy totals is when he gets those assists. And with those minutes, uh, the opportunity will be there to do so. So I, I like him. Um, Robert Covington, another guy. Yeah. I, I like Covington at 6,400. Um, like I said, I'm targeting, I'm targeting that Charlotte. A little so. bit of a Minnesota stack for a GPP. I even think Wiggins is a good play tonight. Um, I'm not, this would be the one team he drops like 45 on, right? Yeah, I mean, because I, the one the one intriguing part about Wiggins, so like I'm not touching him in season long fantasy field goal percentage, lack of threes, lack of defensive stats, all of that you know is terrifying. Um, but you know he played 36 minutes in the opener, he got 27 shots, 27. <laughs> so I get it; it was an overtime game, but but still he got the minutes, oh he got God. the usage. So you know if he's getting 27 shots a game then he's going to have, have the opportunity to have some pretty big uh, DFS nights. Hi, Andrew Wiggins. I think we can end it on that note. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. But we will see you guys next Friday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.